to run sound. I guess he got tired of hearing his sister sing or his daddy sing. Just said, I'll just cut them off. You get you get to me family members doing to me things, and they have a, a squabble, and who knows what's going to happen in the Baptist church, right? Amen. Appreciate the good song. There's coming a day where the soul never dies. Praise God. Well, why don't you turn to Proverbs 30 tonight, if you would. I had uh, a busy day yesterday, good day, productive day, busy, and uh, I went to a meeting last night. Uh, it's about, believe it or not, it's about election time, and so I sat in a meeting and Heard everybody tell me all they were going to do. You know, I, f I figured this out. It's a whole lot easier not winning elections and telling people what you would do if you would have won than to win and actually do what needs to be done. And so I sat there and listened to everybody talk about how bad everything is in the county, and, and I agree with that, and uh, uh, how bad the tax situation is. And I, I thought the... Voting in the liquor was supposed to fix all that around here. Yeah. It didn't. And, uh, but there are some good things. I was glad to see that most of you probably saw that um, Johnson won the Speaker of the House. That's a good thing. He's, uh, I hadn't made too many people mad yet. From my understanding, he's a good Christian, loves the Lord. And uh, also, I got a call last week that uh, Brother Mark Walker is running for uh, the house again. And actually, Davidson County and Rowan County and Davie County are going to be in his district this time, so that's a positive thing that will at least uh, get him elected and have some representation. So all hope isn't lost, and we need to pray for these men, these leaders, right. that God would use them. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we, we forget that we are a remnant and that... Um, we don't deserve anything good, but, but God still loves us. Yes, and uh, I know in times past when elections, we thought, you know, a certain Clinton was going to win. God's people prayed, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, we're done now. You know, and we, we got to keep praying. And we got to keep working and keep laboring, trying to win people to the Lord. And so I uh, had a good day yesterday. And uh, I, for one, I know many of you don't like it getting dark early. I do because I like to go to bed early. And if I want to go to bed at 9 o'clock and it's still light out, it's hard. So if it gets dark at 5.30, I can go to bed earlier. And uh, so you say, well, preacher, I don't go to bed. Well, you need to. When, it, when, when the lights go out out there, it's time to get ready for bed, right? Ain't that right, Austin? If you get up at 3 or 4 in the morning and spend time with the Lord like you should, amen, then it won't be in trouble going to bed early. But it's coming. And uh, so if you like it getting dark, I like it because you eat soup all the time. It's hard for me to eat soup when it's hot weather. And uh, so from now till it gets warm again, we're just going to eat soup. And uh, if you don't like soup, then again, you probably don't like this time of the year. Proverbs chapter 30. Um, we did verse 1 through 4 last week. We want to begin in verse number 5. Now, notice what uh, is said here. Every word of God is pure. Now, what, what we like to do oftentimes is we like to cherry pick right. the portions of God's word that we like. But the Bible said every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Again, there's a condition placed upon 
that shield. And so what we like to do is we like to talk about trusting him, right? Well, I trust the Lord, but you really don't, right? I mean, let's be honest. I realize we have a battle going on between our spirit and flesh. And you talk to people, and a lot of times it sounds like their flesh wins out more in the battle than the spirit does because we realize that the Bible tells we're to trust the Lord. Well, that doesn't mean just when times are easy, and it's easy to trust God when it all makes sense, but uh, the, the, real, the real test to our trust, I suppose, would be when things are not good. So the Bible said that we're to put uh, their trust in him, and verse 6 says, Add thou not unto his words. Right? I know what the Bible says, but I think God would. Right? You know what that is? Adding to his word. Well, the Lord and I have an understanding. Here's my favorite one. Well, God knows my heart. Well, he does, and that should scare you. Right? I mean, we almost make it out like, well, God knows my heart. Well, you don't even know your own heart. He knows your heart. He knows my heart. So every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his word, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Verse 7, two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. That doesn't sound like where we live today. Don't give me poverty. Poverty, but give me riches. So the wisdom is don't give me either, right? And so it goes on to say this, that uh, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in, in vain. Verse 10 says, Accuse not a servant unto his master, lest he curse thee, and thou be found guilty. So in these scriptures, he's telling us, and I know last week we had a little mishap with the outline, that's fine. Uh, he's telling us how to limit our liabilities. If we want to have a, a productive, successful Christian life, he's telling us not only what we should do, but some things we shouldn't do. And so the Lord warns us now of some things we need to be careful not to neglect. Now, if we're honest, right, if we were honest tonight, We'd probably say that with all the distractions of life, this generation of Christians are not the prayer warriors our fathers and grandfathers were. They're not the Bible students that our fathers and grandfathers were. And we depend on others to feed us when we should feed ourselves. And so the Lord's warning us that there's some things we need to be careful not to neglect. It's very easy. We neglect the house of God. There was a day, Brother Johnny, when God's people would not neglect the house of God. They wouldn't take for granted that they would have a Wednesday night service uh, uh, next week or that uh, the next revival would take place. They didn't know. See, now we're so comfortable, just let's go on. And I think about this. There's been times where people have gotten out of church and, and uh, you know, well, if we don't, uh, they'll come back and say, well, you know, something like this. Well, you know, we used to have a Valentine banquet. Now, now why don't we do that anymore? Because you didn't come. Right? It's like I, I, what people want is for the church to go on doing all the things that it has done so that when they decide they want to come back to it, right. 
it's all spread out for, right? And so what we do is we neglect the things of God and we expect God to continue to go on and be who he is and he is and we'll say, well, God, now, I, I don't want to put my trust in you, but I do want you to be my shield. I do, I do want to take your word, the parts that I like, and I want to claim those as my own because I am your child. And so with prosperity comes the challenge of not being grateful. And as Brother Tim mentioned, you know, if you've ever been to a third world country or even some parts of our own country, right, you understand that, uh, that this is a good place. We're not perfect, but uh, I'm thankful that we live here, right? And so when you think about that, what happens is we take for granted. You walk in the sanctuary. If you're a hot-natured person, you say, man, I don't, turn the, don't turn the heat on, preacher. If you're cold-natured, you say, it's too cold in here. We need to turn it. Well, it's usually fairly comfortable, right? I mean, if you've ever been to a place that does not have air condition, if you've ever been to a church, uh, let's say in Jamaica in August when it's 940 degrees, you'll be thankful when it's cool. If you've ever been to a place that doesn't have heat, I was preaching out in Wyoming and one time they forgot to turn the heat on. Man, I walk in that church, it's 50 degrees in there. And you say, well, that ain't bad. Go in a church building at 50 degrees, tell me it's not bad. So we, a lot of times we take for granted, well, you know, I'm always going to have a job and I'm going to spend money like I'm going to have a job for it. You don't know you're going to have a job next week. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to treat church like it's always going to be there. Well, you don't know it's always going to be here. I mean, just do, do we not remember just a few years ago, all of a sudden, in, in, in that quick a time, they said nobody can go to church. Let me say this, that ain't going to happen here again, I promise you that. But, but, uh, but think about how quickly things change. And so we cannot neglect the things of God taking for granted that they'll always be there for us. And to take things for granted and to rely on self instead of God, we've got to be careful because when we become comfortable, listen, let's be honest, when things are bad, we pray more. When things are bad, we, we seek God more. When things are good, we, we, we kind of we take a reprieve from that and say, well, I don't, I don't need to spend as much time in prayer. I don't need to spend as much time at church. I don't, I don't need to read my Bible. I know what to do. So what happens is we pull back on things. And so the flesh will presume them, uh, these things, to be liabilities. But if we're careful, they will increase our prosperity living for God. And so what are those things? And first of all, number one is our Bible. Do you realize, and I'm sure it's crossed your mind, that there are places where people do not have this? There are places where if someone gets a page of God's Word, they're happy. And if you're like me, you've got several copies of it laying around. I've got, Brother Shane, I've got copies and I've got some that I preach out of and I've got Bibles that I study out of and do my, we've got it. But it's not enough to have them. We have to study them, right? And so the Bible in verse 5 and 6, he said every word of God is pure. What's that mean? Well, in this scripture, he's talking about the Bible's purity. It's purity. The word pure means tried by a furnace. Now think about this. As God dictated his words to the penman, now these years later, they're still true. I mean, they've tried to, they've tried to, 
stopped the Word of God. They've tried to stop the preaching of the Word of God, the printing of the Word of God. They've tried to change the Word of God. They've tried to say that the Word of God's not true. But every time they try to do that, it proves through trial that God's Word is pure. Amen. Amen? I mean, everything you read can be false. Everything a man uh, says can be false. So here, uh, the Bible said that the word, every word of God is pure. What's that word? The word, word means utterance. So it's not uh, what the, and understand what I'm saying. I believe that everything written here is God's word. But if you've got a Schofield Bible and his little notes at the bottom, that's his words, not God's. You with me? He's man. Man Men make mistakes. God does it. So be careful when you said, well, I read this book by this guy, and he said, that's not the same as God's word. The utterance of God's word is what he actually spoke to the people that pinned it down. Those are what's pure. We can put God's word to the test, and it will always be true and always come out on top. Amen. Listen, with what you're seeing in the world today, man, it reads straight from the Word of God. People say, well, that's just coincidence. Well, there's been a whole lot of coincidences throughout the Bible, praise God, that's been accurate every single time. And so if we can trust Him with all that, why can't, if we can trust Him prophetically, why can we not trust Him practically? If I can trust that, that what God has told me prophetically has happened and will happen, why can I not take the simple, practical things of the Word of God that will benefit me in my everyday life and say, I'll just trust God, not what I see, not what I hear, not what I feel, not what I feel in my heart, but I'll trust God's Word. Why? Because it is pure. You want to have a successful Christian life, you're going to have to trust God's Word even when it doesn't make sense, even when you don't understand it, even when it does not resonate with you, even when uh, you you can't see exactly what God's doing. God's word will always be true and always be accurate. 100%. Brother John, if it was 99.9, we couldn't trust it. But it's 100%. So our Bible, it's purity. Well, if we deal with the purity of it, the Bible said every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. So if it's pure, what is its purpose? Now let me say this and, and understand what I'm saying. Is it a guidebook for our living? Sure. But is that the main purpose? No. The main purpose of the Word of God is to bring us to the Son of God. Yes, Amen? Yes, I mean, from Genesis to Revelation, the theme of this book is Jesus. It's not Moses, it's not Jonah, it's not Peter. Sometimes we get caught up in the characters of the Bible. There's nothing wrong with doing character studies. But let's understand something. That, 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 that the theme of this book is not the Jew, it's not the church, amen. It, it's not uh, Pilate, it's not Herod, it's not Judas, it's not Jonah. The theme of this book is Jesus Christ and the purpose of it is not just for our good living so we can have a good life on this earth. It is to point men to Jesus Christ. Amen. So it directs us to the who, the one who can save us. 
Jew, Gentile, doesn't matter. The one who can save is Jesus Christ. Amen. So, so as we look at this book, we have to understand the whole Bible points to him. In the Old Testament, it was pointing to Calvary. In the New Testament, it points back to Calvary. We're reading it today, looking back at history, knowing that in the Old Testament, the prophets were pointing to Jesus Christ. And as we look at the epistles, it's pointing back to Jesus Christ. And you and I benefit. We look and so say, I don't understand how them disciples walking with Jesus uh, could mess up like they do. Well, may I say this? They didn't have what you got. You've got the completed word of God from Jesus to Revelation and we still can't live for God. So its purpose is to point men to Jesus Christ. But then it's perfection. Notice in verse 6 the Bible said, add thou not unto his words lest he reprove thee and thou be found a liar. Well, if something's perfect, you don't have to add to it. Right, I mean, if it's hundred percent accurate, well, I, I well, I, you know, I like this particular version because I feel like it's more uh, in line with today, and it's got the uh, more vocabulary that's more common to man today. Well, here's what I'd say: Why does God have to change His vocabulary for us? Why can't we change our vocabulary to Him? Amen. God doesn't change. We're the ones who change. As you know, the King James there preached way too hard to read and understand. Well, I must say something about our educational system because it was written at a sixth grade level. You say, I don't understand all the these and thous and all the new versions. They just take out the these and thous. No, that's not what they take out. They take out the redemptive power of the blood of Jesus Christ. I, I can maneuver around the these and thous. Right. I can figure out the thee and the thou, right. Right? right? But if, if, I, if, I don't know, if I don't know what redemption's all about, and you take out the blood in whom we have redemption, even the forgiveness of sins, well, the Bible says this, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Right. It, you don't have redemption without the blood. Right. So, so... And I've had people, Brother Matt, say, well, if, if you had a King James Bible, you couldn't even read it. If you had the original 1611, I've got a copy of it. And I may not get everything, but I can get enough to know this. Praise God, it's right. right. See, that God's word is finished. Amen. And we have to understand that it is finished. So don't, don't be fooled when the devil throws up, hey, I, here's some new scrolls they found. Here, here's some. You, you think that God is such a tyrant that after 2,000 years he's going to say, oh, by the way, we missed some, and here, I want you to know them now. I don't think so. Amen. So, so we need to understand God's word is finished. God will not permit people to alter his word. I believe this. I think the church is in such a mess today because we've veered from the word of God and not only the word of God we've tried to change it and we've tried to maneuver it and we've tried to take things out that bother us and so now we're in this mess and we're going well you know preach we've got to change with culture well listen let me say this nowhere are we commanded to change with culture the church is to be the ground and pillar of truth people ought to know when they come to church they're going to hear the word of God 
Not a rock concert, not, not uh, you know, uh, uh, something that is valuable for uh, living in society today. They don't need to know all the newest apps and all the newest trends. And they don't need to, you know, we don't need to have some Hollywood actor preaching. We need somebody who's just going to say, here's what God said. That's it. It's worked for 2,000 years. Why not just keep doing it? Well, people are different today. They've always been different. Amen. I mean, listen, Genesis to Revelation, uh, read the Bible. They've always been there. They, the church at Corinth, what what they have? Out of worship, fornication, right? You look at the letter of the seven churches, we studied those. What was it? All those churches, God saying, listen, here's you're doing this good, but I have somewhat against thee. Why? Because people are just people. So we have to understand that God's word is perfect. Then number two, verse seven to nine deals with our bank account. You say, well, I'm going to like this one. Maybe not. The Bible said, two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with uh, food uh, convenient for me. Lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the, the name of my God in vain. So, so he's saying this. Notice, first of all, the request he makes. He says, remove vanity and lies. That's right. well, we think of the word vanity as someone who's sitting in front of a mirror and fixing their hair and putting on... It's not... The, the word vanity is linked to idolatry. It's an emptiness inside that leads to idolatry. And so why is it that, that he's using vanity and lies? Because these are two great sins. Now, we live in a day, lying's not that big a deal. Right? It's like, well, I just told a half truth. They don't, they don't even want to say the word lie. Well, he didn't lie on the stand. What he did was misrepresented the truth. I don't know where I, I grew up. That was a lie. Right? Well, I didn't, I didn't lie, I just didn't tell the whole truth, right? I told a falsehood, right? Or kids growing up, you don't, you don't want to use the word lie, so, well, you, you told a story. No, a story is Goldilocks and the three bears. What you did was lie. You, you are a liar, right? So he says, these two great sins removed from me, these are the root of other sins. Isn't it amazing that, that these small things, right? These small things, this emptiness that we have when we don't have the Lord right. leads to greater sin. It leads to idolatry. It leads to seeking other things. It leads to sinful pleasures. Lying leads to uh, other things. And so these, these root things lead to bigger things. And so, you know, we'll say, things, well, that's just a little lie. No, it's... it's it, it, Manifest into a greater sin, right? right? right. Well, they're, they're just, there's an emptiness. And the reason, reason they, they sought that illicit relationship is because they're empty inside. Okay. But how do we deal with the emptiness? You have to fill it with Jesus Christ. And see, I think a lot of, a lot of folks that name the name of Christ sitting in our churches and they're, 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 they're trying to find something 
that they can latch on to and they're saying, listen, I, you know, I, I, I want to find a church where, where this or I want to I get with a group that this and, and now it's, i got to find a small group for this. Maybe what we need to do is just get back in the Word of God and, and, and realize this book is pointing to the source of the one that can meet every need that we have and the longer or the farther we get away from the Word of God, the, the more we're desiring that emptiness to be filled with worldly things. Yes. So he says, I want you to remove these things. I want neither poverty nor riches. Think about that. Now think about it. So on this side you have poverty and they look at those that are rich and say, well, those evil rich people. And these over here, the rich are looking at the poor saying, well, you know, if they just work and do this and they could could have riches. And he's saying, I don't want either one. Because on this side, if if I'm living in poverty... There's temptation. We don't look at that, right? The Bible said the love of money is the root of all evil. You don't have to have money to love it. You don't believe that? Go up to the convenience store. They got these little things called lottery tickets. Why do people buy them? Because they think they'll win $480 million. No, I buy them because they're fun. How much fun is it? To, to guess numbers or to take your little penny and scratch stuff off. Though, yeah, I, one day, guy was in there one day and he said, man, I'm, I won. I was in there and he, he said, I won. And the lady said, how much? He said, $20. I was thinking, well, how much money do you spend to win $20? Probably hundreds, right? So you don't have to be rich to love money. Are there rich people that love money? Sure there are. Are there poor people that love money? Sure there are. Are there people in the middle that love money? Sure there are. And he's saying, listen, I don't want to be be poor. I don't want to be rich. So he goes on and gives not only the request, but then he gives the reason. He said, remove, or I'm sorry, uh, remove from me my vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Here's why. Lest I be full and deny thee, and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. So the two reasons, right? Vanity and lies lead to greater sin. And what he's saying is rags and riches lead to greater temptation. If he's poor, he's saying, I may do things to get out of my poverty that would bring reproach on the name of Christ. Right? I mean, you look, you see somebody up the corner, and the first thing goes to your mind, they got will work for food. You're going, well, they're just a crook. And they might be. They might not be. Maybe they will work for food. You ought to give them a shot and say, hey, jump in. I got some work to do. Right? But automatically we think, well, they're, they're, they're scoundrels and they're crooks and they're trying to steal people's money and they could get a job if they wanted to. Maybe they could. Maybe they couldn't. But the thing is, Rags and riches lead to these temptations. Rags leads to question God's provision. If you look at someone else, God's blessing financially and say, well, why are they? They must be crooks. Maybe God knew he could trust them with it, right? Maybe, maybe you ever thought about this? Maybe the riches they have on this earth is the only riches they're ever going to have. But what happens is we look and we say, well, I'm saved trying to live for God. 
I, I, you know, I don't have any money. I can't afford groceries. I can't afford this, and it's not fair. And the next thing you know, if we're not careful, we're blaming God. Say, God, why are you? Listen, God is sovereign. God uh, is providential, and God do, does all things. And have you ever thought maybe we put ourselves in that position? If God did it, he did it for a reason. And so what we end up doing is, if we're not careful, we question God's provision and despising those who have more. Well, I thought the Bible said we're to rejoice with those that rejoice. So if Brother Eddie gets a, a, a new truck, amen, as long as it's not a Ford, we'll rejoice with him. But if you're not careful, you're looking, so it's not fair. Brother Eddie's got that. I work hard and I don't have that. It's not fair. You know, uh, Brother Jimmy's got a nice suit of clothes on and, and uh, you know, and, and I work hard and I don't have a nice suit of clothes. If we're not careful, wherever you are, in, and that's not just rags as far as uh, financial things, right? It can also be in your walk with God. Well, why is God blessing them more than he's blessing me? Don't know. But see, on the flip side of that, Riches can lead to pride and self-reliance. Very seldom do you find someone who is wealthy, who has succeeded in life, that gives God glory. They'll say it's because of my hard work, because of my intellect, because of my quick wit, whatever it is. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps, right? It's my hard work. I did this. So you need to be careful. And, and by the way, I've said it before, it's no different ministry. You got a guy pastors a little church, he's saying, well, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. I spend time in the Word of God preaching my guts out. Why do I have to be bivocational when that guy over there, uh, he's pastoring church, got full time. If I was full time, I could do. Or here's a guy that's, full-time in ministry and saying, well, you know what? If that guy down there would do this, I look what I've done. I go visit and I do this and I do this. Well, it's only by the grace of God any of us do anything. So he's saying I need to be careful on both ends. If, I'm, if, I'm, if I've got riches in any area of life, if I'm not careful, I'll say I did that. But then if I have rags in any area of life, then if I'm not careful, I won't be grateful for what God's given me. Let me say this tonight. And Brother Tim, you tell me if I'm wrong. You can go to a lot of places all over the world. They'd give anything to have what you got. Amen. Right. Brother Tim was so messed up, he was rejoicing over a Fanta. Is that right? Brother Kenneth said he went to Africa and he said he had to drink coffee the whole time. He's scared to drink anything else, right? Friend, let me say this. If you get focused on what you don't have, somebody's always going to have more than you got. Somebody's always going to be better at whatever you choose to, to, to focus your attention on, right? Somebody's going to be a better preacher, a better piano player, a better singer, a better deacon, a, 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 a smarter, right, faster, more athletic young people. They're going to have a nicer car. They're going to have a nicer house. If you continually compare yourself to others, I promise you, you will end up being discontent. Because somebody would like to have what you got. So 
Riches can lead to pride and self-reliance. Rags can lead to questioning God's provisions. So we're to be content where we are. Notice what the Bible said. He said, uh, uh, he just said this. He said, feed me with food convenient for me. Not for somebody, for me. God, give me what I need, right? If I don't compare myself to others and I say, God, give me what I need, and he gives it to me, I ought to be content with that. Love God and realize he knows best. Amen. That's good. And then finally, verse 10, he says, Accuse not a servant unto his master, lest he curse thee and thou be found guilty. The New Testament says like this, he said that we're not to, uh, we're not to judge another man's servant. Right? right? Here's the problem. We turn that on other people. We'll say, Brother Johnny, Judge not, lest ye be judged. Right? The Bible says you're not supposed to judge. You're not right with God. You're a Pharisee because you're judging. Well, didn't you just judge me for judging? Right? But see, if I examine myself, which is what the Bible tells me to do. So verse 10, number 3, it deals with our business. Now you're going to say amen, but here's what I want you to do before you say amen. I want you to look in the mirror. Because here, here's what I find. Most of the time when we get excited and start shouting about amen, we're not one time thinking about this is directed at me where things directed somebody else. So what's he saying in verse 10? Accuse not a servant unto his master. He's given us a principle. And here's our business and here's the principle. Ready? Get this. Mind your own business. That's what it, I'm just breaking down with, 2023 terms, so what you know, because we can't understand the King's English. So I'm gonna break down where we can get redneck English. Mind your own business. That's right. I'm just standing for what's right. No, you're standing for what you think is right. I just sent call it like I see it, like you see it. Right. See, you don't know the whole story. So what he's saying is, mind your own business. Stop looking to accuse others. See, you're not, you're not, this, it goes back to the guy with the rags is looking at the guy with the riches. He must have gotten that because he's a crook. The guy with the riches looks at the rag, guy with the rags and he, if he'd get right with God, he'd work hard like I did, he'd have what I have. You're telling me that this guy works the same uh, amount and the same dedication as this guy this guy, for whatever reason, is blessed in whatever area, and this one is not. You're going to say if, if he'd work. You don't know how hard he works. Mind your own business. Right? I'll tell you what, if I was their parents, what I'd do. Well, probably somebody's looking at you saying, if I was the parents of your kids, I'd tell you what I'd do. Amen. And then, guess what? If you're, if you're really good and God blesses you, we might just get to see how you do with your children. Right. Yes, sir. 
I've seen a lot of folks that didn't have kids tell you what they'd do if they had kids. Then when they have kids. Or if I had teenagers, I'd tell you how I'd handle that. Well, we might just get to see how you're going to handle it. Amen. Amen. So, so stop finding fault with others. Right? And i tell you what, I've been independent Baptist pretty much my whole life. And I'll tell you who the worst is, us. We like, we like the grace extended to us, but we don't like to extend it to somebody else, right? We, we like the forgiveness given us, but we don't want to give it to nobody else. We, we like the benefit of the doubt given us, but we ain't going to give it to nobody else, right? So use God's word as a mirror to improve you, not demean others and elevate yourself. Because that's usually what it is, right? I, I read something today that said you cannot judge your own spirituality by the sins of somebody else. You can't do it. You can't compare your spirituality to the sins of somebody else. There's always going to be somebody who is worse than you. But I promise you there will always be somebody better than you. We never look up, Brother Bart, and say, man, I sure would like to be more like that guy. We more likely say, I sure am glad I'm not like that guy. That's what the Pharisee did. I thank God that I'm not like other men, like that publican right there. And he went through his list of all the things he did. Amen? So our business, the principle is, mind your own business. Your walk with God will not be increased by judging and criticizing others. Your walk with God will be increased and better when you decide that you're going to use this word of God, the one that we said was pure, the one we said was precious, the one we said was perfect, the one we said its purpose was to point us to Christ. When I take the word of God and turn it around on me and say, okay, how do I look in the mirror of God's word compared to Jesus Christ? Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. And then finally, the penalty. Look at this. It says, Accuse not a servant unto his master, mm, lest he curse thee, and thou be found guilty. Be careful, because what he's saying is, it might just turn the table on you. Remember, remember the uh, people like to throw this up, right? Those men bring that that woman caught in adultery, brought her to Jesus. They brought her because they were they wanted to see if he was going to uphold the law and stone her. They said, and by the way, notice what they said, because here here's 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 the Baptist way. Well, I heard from a reliable source that knows the situation. Right? You with me? Don't put your Bibles up. We ain't done yet. We round in the fourth term, but we ain't done yet. And I know they wouldn't lie to me because I know them and they, they love Jesus and they, they're good. They're good. Right? You with me so far? And what they told me about this person is this. And that ain't right. I'm telling you right now, that ain't right. That's wicked. You with me? Then all of a sudden, we find out that person was doing, because 
They didn't say, notice what the Bible didn't say, that these men heard. They said they caught her in the very act. So this, Brother Bart, this was not hearsay. This was we caught them. Here's the problem. If they caught them, where's the other dude? So they brought her to Jesus, said, here she is. What you going to do about it, man of God? Right? You're going to do what the law says? You're going to stone her? All of a sudden he leans down. Looks at him. He says, hey, you, the one that's without sin. Now what that means is, he didn't say any sin. That's not what that means, Brother Eddie. What he's, what he's saying is this. The one that's not guilty of the very thing that you're accusing her of. The law was that person had to be the one to cast the first stone. And they knew it. They knew they were caught. Because what they, what they did, they brought her, accused her. He said, I'll tell you what, the one of you that's not guilty of the very same thing you're accusing her of, that's good. Amen. you be the first one to throw the stone. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Mm. <laughs> Isn't that the way it is? Yes, sir. People bring accusations that they're guilty of the exact same thing. But they feel like, boy, if I can bring this to light, oh, yeah. I'll show people how spiritual I am. On, and he's saying here, this here's the penalty. The tables may be turned on you. Yes, what happens when somebody accuses you? That's right. What happens when somebody has the goods on you? What happens when somebody gossips about you? What happens when someone starts making your business known? Amen. Oh, that's not right, preacher. That's why you ought to mind your own business. Amen. How you judge is how you'll be judged. Amen. So, before we condemn, maybe we ought to take this pure word and just put it up to our face. Amen. Because here's the thing, right? When I get to heaven, God's not going to bring everybody else up and say, okay, well, let's, let's do this. Bring Brother Jimmy Money up here. He's your associate pastor. Bring Brother Jose up here. The three of you stand there. Now, I'm going to compare you to Brother Jimmy and Brother Jose. Now, if you're better than they and you don't have, then, then well done, good and faithful servant. No, it's, it's just going to be me. Just gonna be me. Yes, sir. And it's just gonna be you. Yes, sir. So we better be real careful. You want to have a prosperous, profitable Christian life? Well, I gotta spend time in the Word, and I gotta know what the Word of God says, and the Word of God points me to Jesus Christ. I've got to be content, right? We're in November, Thanksgiving month. I'll be content with what God's given me. And then I'll just mind my own business. They always say this. Remember this? You ever heard this saying, ignorance is bliss? It's true. Right? 
Brother Charles, I've never wanted to be one of these pastors where I've been in everybody's business. And I'm not. I don't go around, I don't go around seeking out stuff to preach on. I don't, I don't go around seeking out stuff to, well, let me, I'm going to straighten this person out because I don't, I don't. And matter of fact, when people come to me with accusations, I usually ignore them. Well, I don't think you should, Pastor. I don't really care. Unless you've got proof and evidence, and then if you do, what we're going to do is go get the person, and we're going to hear the whole thing, right? And it's amazing how, Brother Jerry, I just don't hear a whole lot out of people. So, again, if you want to have a profitable Christian life, the best way to do it is get close to God. It is to be content and mind your own business. Amen. 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 That's good preaching. Let's get around the altar tonight and pray. And after you pray, you're